God our Father and from the Lord Jesus, dear friends. The part of God's word that we'll give our attention to this evening comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. It is the account of the institution of the Lord's Supper. And since it is a record of Jesus' words and works, I invite you to please stand for our reading. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, and so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. So it's kind of a regular discussion in our house come Christmas, Easter, and Thanksgiving too. What's going to be on the menu for these special occasions? Now granted, when it comes to Christmas and Easter, there's a little more flexibility since there's not really a nationally recognized main course for those occasions. So each family probably has their own tradition. But Thanksgiving is different. Turkey is kind of expected. In fact, this last year, we invited my brother and his family to come and have Thanksgiving with us. And he made it clear that this was a non-negotiable. I told him we were thinking about maybe having ham or maybe even ribs and chicken wings. He said, if there's no turkey, we're not coming. I told him he could bring his own. I figured he was kind of joking. Well, as it turned out, they didn't come said that they had a positive COVID test in the house. I never verified that, though. When it came to the Passover meal that God commanded his people to celebrate, there was no discussion about the menu. No substitutions were allowed, especially not ham or pork rib. God himself set the menu. Roast lamb, unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. The food that God set before his people in this special meal 
was packed full of symbolism and meaning. It was meant to remind the people, first of all, of that great deliverance that God had provided for them when he rescued them from their slavery in Egypt. But then it was also meant to point them ahead to that even greater deliverance from sin and death that God would provide through the coming Savior. The Passover lamb was the main dish, and it couldn't be just any old lamb. According to God's instructions, it had to be a year-old male without any blemish or defect. This lamb had to be chosen based on its size and based on the size of the family because God said there weren't to be any leftovers for this meal, unlike our Thanksgiving feasts. And in fact, God said if there were any leftovers, the people would have to burn them up in the morning. The lamb was to be roasted, not boiled or eaten raw. It had to be handled very carefully so that not a single bone would be broken. But above all, some of the blood from this lamb was to be taken and painted on the door frames of the homes of God's people. This would be a sign to the angel of death when he passed through the land of Egypt to carry out that final plague when he would put to death the firstborn in every household, he would see that blood and pass over the homes of God's people. And so it was also a reminder for God's people that blood needed to be shed in order to rescue us from death. But it would be the blood of another. The other main items on the table were also very meaningful. The bitter herbs would have reminded God's people of their bitter, bitter suffering during their slavery in Egypt. would have also reminded them of the bitter consequences of being slaves to sin and death. The unleavened bread was a picture of purity. Just as the yeast was to be removed from the bread for this special meal, and in fact, they weren't to have any yeast in the house at all. Any pieces of bread around that house that had yeast in had to be cleared out before this festival. Well, in the same way, our lives are to be free of sin. Our hearts are to be perfectly pure. This is what God demands in His law. But you know, as special and meaningful as this Passover meal was with its divinely appointed menu, it was still an ordinance, a law, an obligation. The details and regulations for this meal, they had to be observed and followed to the letter. This Passover celebration was a part of God's old covenant that He established with His people, whereby his promises of blessing were contingent on the people's obedience. But of course, the people of Israel didn't have a very strong track record when it came to obedience, just as we struggle with it today. And so there were times, in fact, long periods of time, when many of God's people weren't celebrating the Passover as God commanded at all. And so this meal that was supposed to be such a great blessing to God's people 
supposed to be an opportunity for them to really grow in their knowledge of God's plan of salvation, to grow in their trust of His Word, this meal instead became just another occasion for them to offend God by their disobedience. Another occasion to reveal just how badly they needed a Savior. This Passover meal was packed full of blessing for God's people. But without obedience, those blessings would be forfeited. And they often were. Praise God then that we hear Jesus say this in our Gospel reading tonight. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. If you were here, you might remember that in our final midweek Lenten service, Pastor Priest reminded us of the importance of Jesus' commitment to keeping the Passover meal. He would do what God's people so often neglected and ignored. He would keep perfectly what God's people were incapable of keeping perfectly. Along with every other regulation and every other law that God had given, Jesus would offer this perfect obedience, this perfect observance of every single word of God. There would be none of sin's leaven found in him. No bitterness that he deserved to taste because of his disobedience. And so no blood necessary to shield him from death. He was in every respect that lamb without blemish or defect. He is in every respect our perfect Savior. And so on this special night, on the night in which Jesus would be betrayed, on the night before He would go to the cross, when He had faithfully celebrated the Passover meal, just as God had commanded it, Jesus then institutes a new meal for His people to enjoy. One that would come with even greater blessings than the former one. Jesus sets a new table with a brand new menu. This table wouldn't be filled with prophecy, but rather with fulfillment. The table wouldn't be filled with pictures and symbols, but rather reality. This new meal wasn't just another law required under the old covenant where we would have to do this in order to get some special blessing from God. Instead, this new meal was a gift under the new covenant whereby Jesus would do everything for us and in our place to bring us the best blessings that God has to offer. In this new meal, God Himself once again set the menu. Jesus tells us in some of the simplest language that we find in the Scripture just exactly what it is we receive in the sacrament. But even so, our minds struggle to comprehend it. We're told He took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is My body given for you. In the same way, after the supper, He took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in My blood which is poured out for you. This is my body. This is my blood. In this new meal, Jesus provided 
what 1,500 years worth of Passover lambs never could. Full and free forgiveness for every sin. In this meal, Jesus offers us the very price He paid for our redemption. The very price that God demanded as a payment for our sins. His innocent life offered in our place. His precious blood poured out for our sake. And so it becomes very clear that this special meal has nothing to do with filling our stomachs, but everything to do with filling our hearts and souls with that peace, that peace of knowing that our relationship with God, once broken because of sin, has now been reconciled and restored thanks to Jesus. This special meal removes our guilt and shame. It crushes our doubts and fears. It replaces our disobedience with His perfect obedience. It replaces our sin with His holiness. This special meal inspires our entire life of love and service in God's kingdom. It's His food, but it fills our every spiritual need. And what's more, Jesus says, it's given for you. Pour it out for you. Remember the instructions that Jesus gave those two disciples to go and make preparations for the Passover that night? No doubt those two were very careful to follow all of the regulations, all of the rules that God had provided to His people so many years ago. They wanted everything to be just right for this meal. But now in this new meal, Jesus says, it's prepared perfectly, completely. From the cross, He cried out, it's finished. Given for you. Poured out for you. Jesus says, just take and eat. Just take and drink. There is no work of the law here for you to do. Only a gift of God's grace for you to receive. Martin Luther says it so well in the Catechism when he writes this, These words, given and poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins, require nothing but hearts that believe. Hearts that believe Jesus when He says, This is my body. And this is my blood. Hearts that believe the absolute need that we have for this heavenly food on account of our sin. And hearts that believe Jesus' promise in the sacrament. That here we find full and free forgiveness for every sin. Here we have that gift that we need. Given and poured out for you. This is no ordinance. This is no law. No obligation. This is a gift. It's pure grace. And it provides us with God's richest and eternal blessing. It's His food. But it fills our every spiritual need. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding Guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.